Hello? Hello? Hello, Cliffy? Cliffy, it's Uncle Cliff Cliff. Cliffy? It's podcast time. And now, the Birthday Boy Podcast. Full stick of butter. Cliffy, it's Grandma Cliff Cliff. Give me a call at your convenience, okay? Cliff, this is your Uncle Cliff Cliff. Here's the host of Birthday Boy Podcast. The one and the only, Johnny Boy. My little baby boy. Baby butter boy. Yeah. Womack style. Cliffy. This song gets me I amped up you. still after all these months. Toggling your balls. Toggling your balls. Toggling. Uh, toggling is balls. Uh, toggling. Uh, just below your nipple. Those cliffies. Oh, come on. The biggest one yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Toggling your balls. Your Doing my best Louis Armstrong. <clears throat> oh, now I don't have any phlegm, so I can't do my Louis Armstrong. Skies are blue. <laughs> Clouds are red. No, I have no phlegm. I can do it better if I have phlegm. Ah, oh, shit. Shit. March 8th, 2020. Welcome to the Birthday Boy Podcast, episode 29. 29, 39, 39, what the hell am I talking about, oh my god, I'm not fit mentally or physically to be doing anything really, I'm still, I'm, uh, listen to that, I'm so stuffed up still, now granted, I'll take this, I'll take this stuffiness over a cough any day of the week, but Jesus Christ, when is it going to end? Yeah, it's probably that uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus. Don't you think? There's a whole tweet thing that somebody, th- that was terrifying. I mean, you know, I, ha- I know a few medical professionals, and depending on which one you talk to, it's, you know, it's like, don't worry. Mosquitoes will kill you before this thing does. Uh, and then others are like, yeah, probably by like May or June, we'll all be dead. Like, oh, okay. The Pizzle. I'll tell you who's not safe from the coronavirus. Is anyone living in the Pizzle? I think you have a, you have a better chance of dying just uh, driving through the Pizzle than uh, getting this coronavirus. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome to the Birthday Boy Podcast. Johnny Boy here, Come, coming at you. We got two for Tuesday. Uh, Big Board Sports with Johnny Boy. <laughs> Uh, we'll be talking Albany High School girls basketball and volleyball championships this past weekend. And I'll be making my hot takes on all kinds of things around the world of professional sports. Uh, takes you can't get anywhere else, such as, such as this one. I, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, wh- what's going on there? I mean, I mean, come on. I, I mean, I, I mean, come on. And then, uh, how about this classic gem? I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, what's, what's the deal? I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, what's, what's going on out there? I mean, come on, man. 
Tune in to Big Board Sports every Monday through Friday to hear those and many more hot takes with me, Roger Weiland. Coming at you, Big Board Sports. He seems like such a nice fellow. <laughs> Does he, uh, it's been almost 10 years since I've lived in the, in the Capital District, Albany, New York area, Saratoga, Schenectady, Albany area. And I don't know, uh, I don't know if Roger Weiland, I assume he's, I mean, I guess I could just, like, use this thing that I hold in the palm of my hand, uh, like, 23 outer, hours out of the day and look that up just as easily instead of waiting for somebody to answer me. Roger Weiland, Big Board Sports. Let's see, Roger, Roger Weiland. Oh, look at it. 104.5, the team, ESPN Radio. A native of Altoona, Roger graduated from Pennsylvania State, Penn State. Wow. Look at this guy with his big-time degree. Yeah, I guess he is. Sports director, WNYT News Channel 13. Catch this week's UAlbany Basketball Weekly Show on My 4 Albany with Roger Wallen. Roger Wallen coming at you. Well, shit, man. I guess that's uh, well good for him. Good for him. He really does. He seems like such a nice fellow. The fact that I've made fun of him on multiple occasions, not only on this podcast, but I mean going back, you know, 15, 20 years, uh, you know, I almost feel bad. Almost. Not quite, though. Yes. Not quite, Roger. I mean, if you heard, if Roger Wylan, if Roger Wylan heard my takes about Roger Wylan, I, I bet you he would have a shitstorm on his radio show. You'd, you'd hear such hot takes as, I, I mean, I mean who, who does this guy think he is? I mean, Come on! I mean, who does he think he is? Come on! I mean, what? I mean, I mean, I mean, come on! What's going on there? I, I, I mean, I mean, come on! This and more Monday on Big Board Sports with Roger Wyland. <laughs> oh man, what a fucking piece of shit I am! Oh, welcome, welcome, everybody. This is like the fifth time that I've welcomed you. Well, how many more times do I need to welcome you? So. uh... Yeah, so speaking of that, uh, speaking of that, uh, did you hear about this uh, coronavirus? This big board, this is uh, big board viruses with Roger Wyland. We'll be talking Ebola, swine flu, SARS, <laughs> COVID nineteen, aka the coronavirus. And I uh, just Roger Wyland here. I've switched from sports to talking. We're talking viruses all day, every day here on Big Board Virus, Big Board Virus Talk Radio. I mean, what's the deal with the coronavirus? I mean, wh- I mean, what's going on with that? I-, I mean, come on. I mean, come on. Uh, nobody laughs harder at my own jokes than me. Uh, so listen, I want to tell you, though. Uh, so I-, I, don't know what, I don't know what Roger Weiland's take is on the coronavirus, but I can tell you. Hey, where did he go? OJ, our good buddy OJ. I'm not playing any audio clips. He's got tons of shit to say, and I really don't care. Uh, oh, he's talking about a fair trial. I wonder why. I guess I could play that. I, I, I'm not going to play that. Uh, so he's got... Uh, if you've seen... Uh, do, you see, do you see this? Do you, do you hear about this on Twitter? Uh, OJ, he has a picture from two days ago, and it's a picture of OJ, and he's standing outside of Costco. Which now it's like, uh, of course, I'll bet you they love, based on the treatment that I get when I go to Costco and the fact that I've murdered zero people, I would I would be willing to bet that he gets the royal treatment when he goes to Costco. Hey, there he is. 
Mr. Football, that's the thing you're known for and nothing else. Hey, here he is, champ. How you doing, superstar, huh? Is the juice. Uh, I'll bet you. I'll bet you he gets the king's welcome every time at that uh, at that Costco. I get the, I'll bet you the receipt checker receipt checker just sees him coming is like, "Yeah, whatever. Whatever you uh, just just don't hurt me. Don't hurt me, OJ, please." Anyways, there's a picture of OJ uh, and he's got this dopey gray sweatsuit on. Uh, he's got a uh, a mask on, on his face and he's got sunglasses, which is kind of like, uh-oh. <laughs> it's either he's shopping at Costco or he's uh he's Somebody has wronged him yet again, and he's heading out to Brentwood to extract revenge, finish off the rest of the family, those poor Goldmans. Uh, so he's he's got the mask on, which also makes sense because a lot of people, you know, particularly in the medical community and science community, are saying, like, don't wear the mask. That's pointless. Like, if you're sick, then, okay, wear the mask. That's the whole purpose is so you don't spread to others. Uh, but wearing, just wearing a mask for the sake of wearing the mask is pointless. And you're taking a mask away from maybe say like somebody, uh, you know, at a hospital or something who could have used it or maybe a medical professional or something like that. So, uh, so good, good job, juice wearing the mask and the sunglasses. I don't want to stand out. (laughs) I don't want people to know it's me for a number of reasons. So I'm going to wear my mask. Uh, and he's got a giant, you know, one of those flatbed carts that you can get, usually reserved for like a TV. Uh, but OJ has at least three, um, gosh, what is that, like a 40-pack, I think? Yeah, it's a 40-pack of Arrowhead Mountain Spring Water. So he's got 40 times three. I, I Nobody knows what, what, what kind of math that uh, that equals out to. I mean, it's, it's 43 times. I, I'm no mathematician. Uh, so, so he's, he's got 120 bottles of water. He's got a big ass. He's got 60. Yeah. He's got two packs, jumbo rolls, wider sheets. It's really making me nauseated of, uh, ultra soft Charmin. Oh, there's nothing that's more heartbreaking than seeing this Charmin bear, uh, juxtaposed next to OJ. One of the most harmless, lovable little characters you could ever hope to meet. And uh, then OJ. Um, so anyways, so he's got 60 combined rolls of Charmin Ultra Soft Extra Wide Sheets. Ugh. The fuck, OJ? Um, and he's got a giant thing of, uh, of bounty toilet paper. And then he's got a bunch of plastic cups. A, cup, a bag of plastic cups. Well, in case the coronavirus spreads to glass, then I'll have all the cups I need for drinking my water. Uh, so anyways, he, and he says, coronavirus, who's afraid? Well, from the looks of it, you are terrified, OJ. Uh, that's that's who's afraid, your fucking mask looking like a... You look, I mean, he looks like somebody who's, uh, who's going to murder somebody in cold blood. I mean, clearly that's not the case. He's just shopping at Costco, but... Uh, I've got my mask, I've got my sunglasses... Bottles of water, big, big, giant, extra wide ass, ultra soft shaman toilet paper, 60 rolls. So that way, in case I'm shitting myself for the next several months without being able to leave the house, well, I've got the toilet paper covered. Uh, yeah, it's great, OJ. Nice job. So anyways, 
He's got all the supplies. But really the best, and of course, OJ's, probably the best thing about OJ's Twitter account is the, you know, is the replies. Uh, Joey Saldino, where are the gloves? Uh, Somebody, YS, uh, can you kill the virus for us, OJ? Uh, He's at Costco getting a new pair of gloves. Uh, Anyway, a lot of glove jokes. Okay, pretty good. Uh, the best joke to me is from, uh, where did he go? Ethan Klein, who responds to this picture and says, statistically, I may have a better chance of being killed by you than the virus. <laughs> Which is, uh, yeah, that's, I tell you what, I'm more terrified of seeing OJ than than any of this corona nonsense. Um, the MF and kid... <laughs> <laughs> responds, um, I like the cut of this guy's jib. Uh, he says, good thinking. If something happens to the water supply, you're going to want something to wash any potential stains off your hands. You know, wine, cranberry juice, maraschino cherries, ketchup, anything red. Red is the hardest color to clean. But you already know that. You're the juice. That was my contribution. Crickets. Yeah, I know. Anyway, so OJ is uh, OJ's prepared for the virus. I don't want to die. I'm too young to die. Uh, that would be so unfair for me to leave this world years and years before I'm supposed to. Oh, my gosh. Looks like he's happy about 17-game seasons for the NFL. You know, he's got X, He's got comments on the XFL. I, I don't care. No. Nah. Uh, he's got, it's just, it's just stuff about, uh, yeah. Oh, he's got some politics stuff going back to, into February. I'm not playing any of it because fuck him. But yeah, I thought that was great. OJ's getting ready for the coronavirus. So good. Good for you, OJ. Uh, the coronavirus is nice for me because, uh, I've never shared this before here on the Birthday Boy podcast. Um, but it, uh, you know, some of the steps that people are suggest- just suggesting, you know, the experts, the CDC, the professionals, the medical and science community, uh, you know, of course, if you're infected, if you have exposure to the virus, you're supposed to really be on a self-quarantine, stay home. So naturally, there was this kid in New Hampshire who went uh, up up in, uh, up near Dartmouth, that area. Uh, he was tested. It wasn't confirmed that he had the coronavirus, but they said, you know, uh, all signs are pointing to yes, but until we get that, uh, get those results back, you know, lay low, stay home, you know, self-quarantine, hang out, don't leave the house. Uh, and, and so naturally he went out to a big, uh, like a bar. He went to some club, some party with tons and tons of people. Uh, so now he is being quarantined and they're calling him. I don't know if it's the CDC or somebody's calling him on a daily basis to make sure that he's not leaving the house, which is great because, you know, the damage has already been done, so who gives a shit at this point? So fuck him. Anyway, but 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 I love the strategy because there's nothing in life that I love more than not leaving the house. I love being home. I love staying home. I love not going someplace that isn't <laughs> my home. Uh, and it's just nice. It's nice to be here. I like my own couch. I like my own bed. I like my own TVs and my video games. I've got everything I need. I like my internet. Uh, yeah, so, you know, what's what's out there? Not much. Nothing's out there in this in this big world of ours. Um, so, 
it's great because this advice that they're giving lines up with what I like to call the three pillars. Um, right now there are six of them. Uh, it's a, it's a running list. So, but it will always be called the three pillars there. By the time we're done, there could be thousands, um, thousands of three pillars, but it will always be the three pillars and it really lines up. So what, so the three pillars came about officially. There was the unofficially, the three pillars have already have always existed, but officially in the last several months, I really, I put them into writing, uh, because I felt they needed to be documented officially. And this goes back to, uh, gosh, two, three, three or four years ago when, uh, when I was working at, uh, for, for a different company and my very good friend, Delisa had injured herself and she injured her leg, I think, and doing some kind of, I don't know if it was like a workout or maybe I think she was running and she injured her back. She injured her knee. I think that was what it was. She was having all kinds of problems and she kept having to go back to the doctor and go to PT and, Oh, it was just, she was hobbling all over the place and it was just awful. It felt, felt terrible to watch. Uh, um, and much like, uh, Cliffy was my work husband back in the day. Uh, Delisa was my work wife. So I really cared, you know, you don't want your, your work, your work spouse to be, uh, feeling pain. But at the same time, if you're me, you also can't help but to rub in, rub it in their face. The fact that, uh, that you live a relatively sedentary lifestyle and as a result have no mobility issues whatsoever. So oftentimes when Delisa would be, you know, she would work from home a lot when she was in a great deal of pain. Then she would come into the office and just, you know, be limping and hobbling and, you know, having a hard time just getting out of her chair and all this stuff. And then I would, uh, I would leap up out of my, out of my chair and I would start like shuffling back and forth, kind of dancing a little bit, doing a little, you know, doing a busting, busting a move or two here, here and there. And I would say, look at me. I sit on the couch. I love naps. <laughs> I don't do much of anything. And look at me. I'm up. I'm so limber. I'm so mobile. I'm so mobile. And, uh, yeah, it really drove her nuts. She just wanted to, you know, push me out the window and watch me plummet to my death. Uh, more recently at my current place of work, uh, one of my coworkers <laughs> over the Christmas break before I even started, uh, she injured her leg in a, a little uh, skiing mishap and uh, was getting prepared to have surgery. In fact, this week, uh, tore her ACL, I believe. And uh, I would do the same thing. You know, only knowing her a few weeks, I still felt <laughs> I still felt it was my place to impart uh, my wisdom. And as I, she was wearing a brace around the office and hobbling and limping, and then I would jump out of my chair and start shuffling and shuffling and jumping and dancing back and forth, showing her that I had full mobility in both legs, no no issues whatsoever. Of course, I would break a sweat after about three and a half seconds, um, but never mind that. The fact of the matter is I could just hop up out of my desk, out of my chair, and dance, jump back and forth and dance back and forth. So that's what I would do. And, uh, and I told her that, that this is part of my, my three pillars and I told her before she went out on her surgery that I would give her a, a printout copy of the three pillars so that they could help guide her in her recovery. She's a very active person, very athletic, does like skiing and golfing and softball and just endless, endless, just time-wasting nonsense outdoors. And uh, <coughs> uh, so I would, I would tell her, you know, this is what happens. You're out there 
being active and now you need surgery. I am inactive. I've never had surgery and I never will. And I will also be the pallbearer at your funeral, uh, is what I would say to this, this coworker of mine. Um, and so I came up with the three pillars she's about to have surgery this week and, uh, I will read them for you. There are six of them. Pillar number one, don't do anything ever. It just isn't worth it. It really, really isn't. I, I, parenthetically, I added some little, in italics, I added some, just some commentary to go along with the pillars. But the first pillar is don't do anything ever. It has served me well throughout my life, throughout my career, and it will serve you too if you're smart. Uh, pillar number two, don't ever leave the house. And then parenthetically, I add nothing bad ever happens on the couch. And that is, that is a fact that has withstood the test of time and existence uh, nothing bad has ever happened to me on the couch. You know, occasionally maybe a stiff neck, but you know what I do? I just, I adjust to a new position on the couch. That's it. That's all. Uh, you know, video games happen on the couch, TV, movies, it all happens on the couch. It's wonderful. Naps sometimes happen on the couch. Don't ever leave the, don't ever leave the house or the couch. Uh, this is, this is the third pillar, but it's, it's just as important. It's, it's equally as important as the last and just as important as the next, don't ever help anyone. Uh, because I believe somebody was recounting a story about helping somebody. Uh, she was helping, I think the same person was helping somebody and she hurt her arm. Or she was helping somebody lift something, carry something, move something. And she aggravated her injury further or she had a new injury. Some kind of thing. And I just said, my God, I, don't, I, don't, I can't relate because I've never helped anybody. Uh, in parentheses, you know, don't help anyone. And then parenthetically, you will get injured. And even if you don't, you will resent the person you helped because they can never repay you no matter what. And friendship doesn't put food on the table. Fact. Just that's a fact. Uh, number four, this comes from, uh, again, at my current position, uh, my job, uh, there was a, an outside vendor who uh, was trying to trying to get our business and his emails were filled with spelling and grammar errors. It was really quite embarrassing. Uh, and I brought this up, you know, during a, during a project meeting. And, uh, and somebody who's even newer to this company than me uh, suggested giving the benefit of the doubt that perhaps this person's dyslexic or has this issue or that issue. And I'm like, what? Dyslexic? Are you kidding? I think a dyslexic person knows how to use spell check in Microsoft Outlook just as much as a lexic person. Uh, so no thanks. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play that tune. I'm not gonna play that game. Uh, so pillar number four of the three pillars: never give anyone the benefit of the doubt. Parenthetically, I write that in 100% of the cases they do not deserve it. And uh, occasionally, once in a while in my life, I've given someone the benefit of the doubt. Nope, doesn't work. Doesn't pay off. It was a mistake. Uh, the fifth pillar, uh, this this same individual who wanted to give the benefit of the doubt in a in a different meeting was uh, was um, discussing that he has a, some kind of an online book club. He is like some kind of a reading group or something, and they they meet in person and they meet online, or maybe they just meet online. I don't know. E either way, I felt it was a I felt it was a great stepping stone for me uh, to launch into a rant about how much I think reading is a giant waste of time. And, um, and luckily, wouldn't you know, uh, several of my coworkers, 
uh, jumped in with the uh, with with the same sentiment and uh, just noting, yeah, I haven't I haven't read in a long time. Uh, and they had their own reasons, and my reasons were pretty simple. It's like, why read when there's TV? They invented TV and video games and music, so why spend time reading when you can do those way more fun things? Uh, so yeah, reading is dumb. Uh, and then the sixth pillar, this, is, this was recently added. The sixth pillar, don't ever change anything in your life, ever. Uh, change is literally the worst thing you can do. You will feel awful. You will never recover. You will long for the way things were until the void left by the aforementioned change will destroy you from the inside. Uh, now, my friend with the injured leg uh, also mentioned that it was interesting because I was describing surgery as well. And she was having the same feelings about surgery. She was terrified that what if the surgery uh, then actually made things worse even though it fixed the injury, it then prevented her from doing the softball and all the other sports, hockey, and all the other things that she loves doing. Uh, to which I said, uh, well, then what exactly would be the downside of surgery? Now you physically can't do any of those things? That sounds great to me. Sign me. I, I might go have surgery right now just, just to ensure that I can't play sports ever, ever again and have a built-in excuse. <coughs> so... Those are the three pillars, all six of them. The original three pillars uh, were written down. Oh, maybe the most important part, not to bury the lead. Um, so uh, maybe about a week or two ago, I printed out the three pillars. At the time, there were only five of them. Now there are six. I printed the three pillars, uh, gave them to my friend slash coworker so that she could have them. I said, pin these to your wall when you're recovering from surgery. Uh, you know, when you're laying in the hospital bed, when you're at home on the couch with your leg up or whatever you have to do to recover, just sitting there staring at the ceiling, pin it to the ceiling and the three pillars will get you through all any and all. You, you can weather all storms, any storms. If you just look to the pillars, look to the three pillars. Here's something interesting. Surgery that was scheduled for this week has been postponed until August or September because she's feeling a million times better. And she has not quite full mobility, but it's getting pretty close. And her, her physician, her uh, physical therapy people uh, all suggested, yes, that's, uh, you know, if you have this kind of mobility now, you may want to hold off on surgery because you may be recovered enough that maybe you don't even need surgery. And right now it doesn't seem like you need surgery. So she postponed it. She scheduled it for later, later on, months from now, whatever, six months from now. And uh, I'd like to think that's 100% as a result of the three pillars. Uh, so the three pillars, I originally published these in January, but they have existed. Uh, I wrote here in the notes section of the three pillars that I printed out and passed around to several co-workers. Uh, the original three pillars added January 2020, but have existed since John was a small boy growing up in Burn Hills, New York, avoiding things, people, and situation was situations where people needed you to help them with things. They have served him well in life and have resulted in endless, unquantifiable success. Pillar 4 was added February 2020 during a project meeting in which Name Redacted uh, was willing to give benefit of the doubt to a potential vendor who had rampant spelling and grammar errors present in his email. John disagreed, noting that no one should ever be given benefit of the doubt for any reason at all. P 
pillar number five, reading is dumb, was added February 2020 during a meeting in which Name Redacted revealed that he has an online book club. And John and uh, other co-workers, who <laughs> will not be named, added that they never read unless they have to. John added that TV exists, so why read? To which the other two co-workers replied, Here, here, good sir. Which, uh, they may not have said that at all, but I like to think that they did in their minds, even if they didn't know that they were saying that. Uh, as a note, John made the first five Three Pillars public in an email to his co-worker, who was going to have surgery, in February 2020 to help her get through the upcoming surgery uh, this week to repair injuries sustained during a, uh, during a skiing uh, thing. The pillars were meant to give her strength during the recovery period. However, upon receiving the pillars, she recovered in full and was thus able to cancel her surgery. She immediately kicked off her leg brace, did 12 consecutive high kicks, and yelled, Yeah! after each one, showing a real-life manifestation of the three pillars. Pillar number six about change was added just this past Friday when another co-worker removed a fake Christmas tree that had been sitting in the middle row of the desks uh, since January 2nd. John was immediately overcome with a crippling sense of melancholy, noting that he hates change and is going to have a hard time adjusting to the removal of the tree. Another co-worker suggested change is stupid be pillar six of the three pillars. John agreed. So there you go. Without giving away names, uh, yeah, those are the three pillars, and uh, I share them often with my co-workers uh, who have now, in the short time that I've been that they have been my co-workers, two and two months or so, they've found a great deal of success and happiness as a result of the three pillars. And you can too if you follow the three pillars. It's simple. I just gave them to you for free. If I were Oprah, I would have charged you. $135 for a ticket to come to a full-day seminar to give you in eight hours what I just presented to you in the last several minutes. So you're welcome. I'm Oprah, except even better because I'm not a selfish, greedy piece of shit. Um, and also, I'm fat, but you don't see me promoting Weight Watchers. <clears throat> Bread! All right, I have to take a break. I need some water. As you can tell, I'm still congested. More to come here on the Birthday Boy Podcast. Stick around. Oh, yeah, throwing it back. One of my favorite tunes. Joe Jackson, stepping out. I used to, uh, I was telling my kids the other day, <laughs> this song would play, yes, back in the 80s, when this was a new tune, and I loved it as a child, and I would hear this song playing on the radio, and uh, I would picture myself in a tuxedo, and a top hat and tails, and a cane, and I, was, I would be dancing around New York City at night, and when I say dancing around New York City, like, like fl floating through the air, and everything that I stepped on was either like a piano key or a musical note, or like lasers were coming out of my feet while I while I danced through the city, <laughs> twirling and dancing while this song played. Yep. So if you want to know what six-year-old me's fantasies were back in the day. It was putting on a nice tuxedo, a top hat and tails, 
and dancing literally up and down Manhattan. I don't mean uptown, downtown. Well, I do, but also uh, not just the, the both the, the X and Y axis <laughs> as I float through the air past buildings and people look out their windows in disbelief. Wow, he's amazing! As lasers and musical notes shoot through my feet as I as I dance upon them. I don't know. I don't know if I was dancing on the musical notes like Mario or if like my feet had the power to create the musical notes that I would then dance upon. Either way, I, there was a lot of twirling and dancing. A lot of fancy footwork as this song played. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there it is. There it goes. Ah, thank you, Joe Jackson. All right, uh, another story. Oh yeah. So speaking of my childhood, I told this story to my kids the other day because I like I'm just such a f I'm just a perpetual doofus. You know, going back to the very to my to my very beginnings, my earliest days. I don't know why I thought of this, but. Uh, the kid, I've never seen my oldest laugh harder at anything ever, maybe, maybe ever, than when I told this story. She, she couldn't stop laughing, for solid ten minutes after I told it. Um, and I love, I love to tell stories of myself, humiliating stories about myself from when I was a kid. Um, nothing, nothing makes the kids laugh more than that. <coughs> makes them realize what a, you know how perfectly normal and well-adjusted they are compared to their dad. Um, so this story, much like Joe Jackson, takes us back to the, uh, you know, the late 1980s, I guess. Uh, so this is, this is after Joe Jackson's Steppin' Out was a popular tune. When did that come out? When did Steppin' Out? I want to say like maybe 84. Joe Jackson, Steppin' Out, was released... 1982. Wow, that's even even earlier than I thought. Man, oh man. Okay. Well, anyways, I I have since I was a little tiny kid, I remember listening to it on the radio and it would just make me so happy. Anyway, <clears throat> so so fast forward maybe 5 or 6 years after stepping out and uh <laughs> and I say this because I did step out of the bathroom stall. And I'll get to that in a second. So I was uh maybe like third, fourth Maybe even fifth grade. I don't. I don't think I was fifth grade. Maybe let's let's say fourth grade. So I'm maybe nine or ten years old, and uh, I was. My mom was a teacher in my elementary school. So after school, uh, my sister and I would just hang out in her classroom. We would get our homework done, and then when she was done grading papers and doing her work for the day, uh, we'd pack up and leave and go home. And then it would be nice. Like okay, my homework's done. I don't have anything to do for the rest of the night. You just go home and, uh, you know, do my do my thing. Which is to say, lie on the couch and watch TV. Or play video games. Uh, so anyways, so it was after school and I was I was in the bathroom. And I was, uh, I was pooping. You know how I be. And uh, all of a sudden, these uh, some underclassmen walked in. Perhaps they were first or second, maybe second graders. Maybe third graders. And I was a fourth grader. And, I, and they, they both, they saw the feet in the stall and they were like, Kevin? Hey, hey, Kevin, is that you? Kevin? Kev, you in there? And I thought, oh my god, what a delicious prank this will be on these 
tiny underclassmen and they'll just see they'll see just how cool us upperclassmen are us fourth or fifth graders or whatever i was so so like i grab i i as they're like kevin is that you kevin hey kevin is that you you in there i thought oh this is going to be delicious so i jumped up off the toilet and i burst through the door and and all of a sudden I'm standing there. I just burst through the door and I'm standing there with my arms out and they're both staring at me and I, and I just looked at them and like made this little, you know, I kind of cocked my eyebrows, bobbled my head and I was like, who's Kevin? Uh? And then I had this shit-eating grin on my face like, <laughs> gotcha. And they both looked at me like, what the fuck is wrong with this asshole? Who the hell would just come bursting out of a bathroom stall to do that? So they just kind of stared at me and then slowly walked backwards and backed all the way out the door while I was still standing there, like, bobbing my head. and like, huh? Who's Kevin? Because <laughs> it ain't me. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, and then I went back into the stall and, and then realized why exactly uh, they would have been looking at me the way that they were because I didn't think the whole thing through. And so instead of like, you know, I don't know, fastening my pants and making sure that I was completely done with what I was doing, instead I realized that I had like, my pants were just like bunched up in my right hand. Like I had just quickly like grabbed my pants and pulled them up. So there's like, like half down, I think like half an ass cheek is showing, you know, my shirt's untucked my pants are just, you know, I'm just holding them up by my right hand. Uh, and also there was a giant, uh, thing of toilet paper attached to my foot so i came bursting out of this door this bathroom stall hey, who's kevin hmm? and uh you know my pants are like <laughs> there's there's a portion of my pants not even pulled up all the way <laughs> there's a big sheet of toilet paper hanging off my hanging off my foot going all the way back into the bathroom stall and i so i sat there and i said oh that that didn't go well that was not good. And so, yeah, cam uh, my yeah, my kids picturing me with toilet paper stuck to my foot and my own pants just a, a bunched up in my in my hand as my eyebrows are going up and down and I'm bobbling my head going, "Hey, who's Kevin?" Huh? Gotcha. <laughs> Oh, man. And I, their reaction, I thought at first, was like, yeah, I really got them. Look at the way that they're, they're so creeped out and they're backing, they're backing out the door because I really, I really got inside their heads. But really, when I pictured it from their perspective and just see this kid with his pants half off, <laughs> toilet paper sticking to his leg, <laughs> bursting out of, a, out of a toilet stall to, to, to fake him out. Hey, nah, who's Kevin? Not me. And then I realized why they would back out so slowly and awkwardly. And uh, later, those kids died. Later that day. So, unrelated causes. Yeah, they were poisoned by soup. No, that's it. So, yeah, they made my kids feel good about themselves because they've never had anything remotely embarrassing like that happen. Because they have like a... They have a brain in their heads, and <laughs> they know how to act out in society. <laughs> Unlike their dad, running around with his pants in his hands, toilet paper dragging behind him. Hey, who's Kevin? Huh? Oh, man.
yeah. It's the best though. Watching them, watching my kids crack up at their dad's stupidity. Let me tell you. You know, the other thing that I'm so proud of my kids for is, uh, you know, I see, I see once in a while, I see these fucking, uh, you know, these daddy daughter dances, you know, f- several times throughout the year. You see a, somebody post it, and it's, it's a dad who's like my age, and their kid who's, you know, my kid's age. And it's just a, it's such a weird, like, to, I, I feel like this is a relatively new thing, like in the last, I mean, he sure as hell didn't have it when I was a kid, the daddy-daughter dance, and I don't understand the purpose of it. Um, it's something that I had already always had, like, dreaded and been terrified of, like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna bring my own kid, and we're gonna, like, uh, sh- like we're each other's dates for this dance, and I know it's like a cute thing, like a father-daughter thing, and... And then just, like, picturing, like, it's a bunch of other dads and a bunch of, like, little kids, a bunch of little girls, uh, you know, uh, dancing around. And, I, and I'm sure it ends up with, like, you know, the girls, you know, the kids just playing and the dads talking and whatnot. But, like, just the whole notion of, like, taking your daughter to a dance. I think that, that fucking cre- that just creeps me out, man. I don't know. I just think it's weird. I just think it's really weird. And whenever I see it on, on social media, I'm just... 1000% creeped out by by that too by somebody else and their their kid like going to a dance and they're all dressed up and there's a corsage it's like the prom it's like what do you I mean what is this supposed to be like are we are we like I, I don't want to say grooming but like it's it's like you know prepping our kids so that the, I, it's just weird it, it just freaks me out you know and then the idea of these kids like years later they're going to go to an actual prom and an actual dance with you know a boyfriend or a date or something and uh and they're going to have you know the corsage and the whole thing and like they're going to already have memories of doing this the same thing with their father like 10 years prior i that's just i that's just so fucking weird and so that's why i'm just oh man my kids they're the greatest cuz without me like you know I don't share my opinions with my kids until I've given them a chance to come up with their own opinions without being influenced by mine. And, uh, so I didn't say anything like there was a, I think, I think it was only once. I'm glad. I'm also glad my kids elementary school doesn't have this, which is great. But, uh, my oldest went to a different elementary school in kindergarten and they did have a a father, daughter, daddy, daughter, bullshit dance thing. Like, and you know, for kindergarten, like that's so fucking weird. Uh, and I just remember telling, telling my oldest daughter when she was in kindergarten, like, yeah, Hey, your school's having a father, daughter dance. Um, you know, what do you think? You want to go to that? And she was like, uh, no, absolutely not. And I'm like, really? Why not? She's like, nah, it's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see the point. I don't want to go. And I was like, okay, uh, you sure? You're positive. Yep. 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 Okay. And, uh, oh man, I've never been more relieved in my life. Just, yeah, it's, I just think it's weird. Sorry. That just freaks me the fuck out. No, I'm, I'm very pleased. I'm pleased that my kids take such joy in my idiotic stories, tales of me being a moron. And I'm also very, very thrilled that they have no interest in going to a father and daughter dance. And I'm also glad that their school doesn't even have any such thing. So it's avoided all on all counts, which is great. Um, I will tell you this story. Man, I got like... So the other day we're sitting at dinner. Um, I'm not going to pull up the article. It doesn't matter. But some... 
it was a New Yorker article that I came across. And some woman out in uh, Iowa, maybe, somewhere out in the Midwest, for like 20 years, 25 years, took a picture of her elderly parents every time she pulled out of the driveway, every time she would go, you know, she would stop by and visit them, maybe have dinner or something. And it's a very sweet, you know, a photo essay, whatever you want to call it, a very sweet collection going to, I don't know, from like, I think the first one was like 1990 up until, uh, you know, and I think the father died in 2008 or 2009 and then the mother died a couple of years ago, maybe 2017, 2018, something like that. <clears throat> and of course the last, the last photo in the, in the thing is just the house, uh, with nobody standing in the driveway and it's very, you know, it tugs in the heartstrings and things like that. And I was sharing it with, uh, with the family at dinner and it was just bizarre because I was mentioning, like, I have such memories of my grandparents and this, this elderly couple, you know, was around the same age as my grandparents and reminded me of them. And, you know, my grandpa would stand in the, in the garage, you know, he would, he would stand in the door, the garage door into the house and wave to us. And then as soon as he saw us back out of the driveway, he would close the garage door. And then he would run over to the big picture window in the den where my grandma was standing and waving. And they would wave together as we drove off, like from the time I was a little child until, you know, after my grandpa died. And then like, I would just go over by myself or Kimmy and I would go over to my, my grandmother's house and have dinner or something. I would back out of the driveway, she would close the garage door, and then I would make sure, as I, after I, as soon as I pulled into the street, she would close the garage door, just like my grandpa did, as soon as I was in the street, and then I would slowly, very, very slowly pull forward so I would give her enough time because I could see the shadow, I could see her running towards the picture window from the garage door so that she could wave goodbye to us as we drove off. That was every, every time, you know, so years, I have decades and decades of these memories. I think in recent years, um... I, well, I don't think I know. Somewhere I do have pictures. I did manage to take a picture or two that exists somewhere, you know, of my grandma inside that window waving goodbye to us, which is great. But I was, I was sharing this article with my kids and my wife and saying, man, this is so great. I wish I had, uh, you know, I wish I had a, a series of pictures like this of my, my grandparents waving to us because that was such a, you know, a tradition when we would leave their house. Um, and then like, man, I was talking about this, and I'm not a I'm not a guy who does a ton of crying. I just don't really do that, and and yeah, man, I just I was talking about it, and like you know, just you know, a wave of emotion <laughs> came over me, and I was and I was just talking about it, like man, I wish I had a picture. I wish I had like just a picture of my grandpa, you know, standing in the doorway waving and my grandma in the window waving, like to them together waving goodbye. I have my grandma and I'm sure somebody has a picture of my grandpa waving goodbye somewhere. That's, it's entirely possible. Um, so anyway, so I mentioned that and then I just was like, yeah, just completely overcome with emotion. And then, uh, yeah. And then my, my oldest hopped out of her, her dinner chair and came over and like threw her arms around me. And then, and now she, now this poor child is crying because I am. And then, uh, and then the wife is crying. And then the youngest is standing, sitting in her chair, looking at all of us. And she's like, what, why is everybody crying? I missed it. <laughs> and so we had to tell her cause she just wasn't, either wasn't paying attention or she was paying attention and it still escaped her while we were crying. She was like, wait, what? Why, what's happening right now? All of a sudden, we were just eating dinner two, two seconds ago, and everybody's crying. So, um, I don't know, that has nothing to do with anything, except, uh, yeah, 
so those are the times, those are the times when I connect, you know, with my, with my kids. And then once my youngest was like, oh, that's why. And then she came over and, uh, you know, and I stole a hug from her and all that stuff. And those are the times when it's like, God damn it. My, my kids, my wife, everybody just gets, we just get each other. They get me, I get them, you know, we're there for each other. These are like the, you know, the great moments. And then, so to think, I guess, and that's what's, that's the thing about these like father daughter dances. I'm just like, that's really, you know, it's just like kind of a contrived way, uh, you know, and I'm not to say like maybe some dads and daughters like really, you know, they do connect at these kinds of things and they have a nice little bonding moment and a nice night to get dressed up and they really, you know, it really makes them both feel good, makes the kid feel good. And that's great. And if that's the case, then, you know, who am I? I'm some asshole who, you know, runs out of bathroom stalls with toilet paper tied to his foot and a bundle of his pants <laughs> held up by his pinky finger. Uh, so what do I know? I don't know anything about anything. But but I can tell you that those are, that's a moment where it's like that's, you know, that's, that's, that's something that I'm never going to forget as opposed to like, you know, this kind of, this kind of force-fed, like, you know, oh, bring your kid to this dance, and you're going to dance together, and you're going to this, and you're going to that, and it's like, I don't need, I don't need you to try to, like, f- you know, again, it's just, like, this contrived thing to me, and it's, it's weird, and it's, frankly, kind of creepy when I see this stuff, but hey, whatever, what, again, what do I know? I got, uh, you know, toilet paper on my feet, so, anyways, that's it, that's, <laughs> that's my story about <laughs> me being an idiot when I'm a child, uh, my kids laughing at me, and then, of course, comforting me and consoling me when I needed it the most. Uh, I guess that's it, right? That's the story. And uh, i got to take another break, because this goddamn cold will not leave. I need more water, and we'll be back uh, with more. See, also, by the way, what I mean, hey, how about that for a story? Me, like, admitting to have emotions and crying? Yeah, that's right. I'm human, believe it or not. I feel things, not often, but I do, and uh, so there you go, so go fuck yourself. We'll be back with more on the Birthday Boy Podcast. Uh, A little Caroline Rose here on the Birthday Boy Podcast off her newest album. This is called Nothing's Impossible. Ah. Tell you, if Carrie Dumas isn't crying after that last story, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> hey, Dumas, uh, send me a text. Let me know that you're that you're crying after my sweet story about my sweet kids consoling me when I was crying over the loss of my grandparents. My dead grandparents, who I miss so much. Oh, my God. That's all I want to do here on the Birthday Boy Podcast, is make people cry. I can't imagine anybody was crying after that story, though. Anyway. Oh, I had an update on the Cutco thing from last week. There's something, I can't believe I left this out totally. Uh, by the way, yeah, this is Caroline Rose. I-, I played another song of hers a few months ago. And I gotta get a picture. I gotta get videos of Cameron dancing to this video. Uh, 
feel feel the way I do. Is that the other one? Hold on. Yeah, this is the other. This is feel the way I feel the way I want. This is like the first big single off of Caroline Rose's album. I feel like she's gonna be a big star. I don't know. No idea. Either way, I love this song. My kids love this song. And whenever uh, whenever we watch this video of her dancing around on the beach, it's like, oh my god. That's how Cameron dances when she's being goofy. It's the funniest thing. And I gotta get a side-by-side. -side. I think I took a video of her dancing with this video playing in the background of the TV. I wanna, I wanna remake the video. Just with Cam dancing like Caroline Rose. Actually, a neat video. Shot on an iPhone. Oh, yeah. It's hard not to like this song. Well, for me, anyways, I don't know. So, there's, there's actually a premise of this video. Maybe I've already mentioned this. They shot it on an iPhone. So, super low budget, but super well done. And it starts with this Caroline Rose and she's on the phone with her agent and she's like I'm here I'm here for the audition and she's like where are you she's like yeah I'm in Hollywood in Hollywood California just like you said wait what the auditions in Hollywood Florida and so the video is her and it's literally they drove from Hollywood California all the way to Florida and they shot this video they would stop along the way they would stop Gosh, yeah, in Hollywood, and then they stopped in the... I, th I feel like they stopped in Vegas, maybe? And then, yeah, somewhere out in the desert. A couple cool shots in the desert and in the Midwest. Uh, I think New Orleans. They had some, some cool shots in New Orleans. And then it's the final shot. You know, she's dancing on the beach in Florida. And she's in the same... It's the same outfit the whole time. She's in the grocery store, you know, flying around on a grocery cart and a diner and... It's really well done. A really fun video. And then she gets to Hollywood, Florida, and uh, she comes out of the audition and she's dressed in a giant lobster costume and she's on the phone with her agent. She's like, yeah, I nailed it. It's mine. The job's mine. I know it. I love it. I love it. I love that video. I love the premise. I love everything about it. I love the, the ridiculous, silly dancing that she does. So, yeah. Her new album is out, Caroline Rose. And you know, same middle name as my my oldest child. And come on, that's, that's and the kids love it. Uh, let me. She had a great. This Caroline Rose had a. Speaking of dads and daughters, she shared. Uh, <laughs> she wrote the reviews are in. Her new this this album came out the other day. And it's from, it's an email, a screenshot of an email from her dad, Caroline Rose, who's performing this song we're hearing right now. And from Phil Rose, who says, This album is pure genius. Wow, wow, wow. Can't stop listening. Did you get, and then it says, Did you get an oil slash filter change? And are you on the road? Love you. <laughs> so that's funny. Your album's brilliant. It's genius. I love it. By the way, did you get your oil changed? Oh, yeah. What, what was I saying earlier? Oh, the Cutco, the Cutco story from last week. I forgot one small piece. It's not really a, 
it's not a huge thing, but so I mentioned a number of times when I would call into the sales office and the sales manager, Adam, would answer the phone and he would say, Vector! Yeah, he would also, I forgot, I didn't remember until after I finished the podcast that we would get off the phone and... And I would say, okay, Adam, I got to run. I got to go, you know, do another demo, you know, chop some more coins in half with the scissors. Got to go. Okay. And I would do like, you know, the standard phone thing where I'd say, okay, talk to you later. Bye. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. You know, that's pretty standard. Bye. Just bye. Goodbye. Um, And he would get off the phone and his closing would be, See ya! Just like that. So he'd answer the phone. Vector! Yeah, hey Adam, uh, you know, I just um, just uh, sold another set of knives. Ah, uh, Johnny, my man, you're having a grand day. Awesome. <clears throat> I'd be like, yeah, cool, thanks. Um, listen, I gotta run. I'm gonna get some lunch and then I'm, uh, I'm on my way. I don't want to be late for my next demo. All right, Johnny, remember. And then he would give me a bunch of fucking sales advice. You know, I don't know. Always be closing. <laughs> he wouldn't say that, but remember the script. Remember the blah. Remember to do this. Okay, Johnny, you're gonna do awesome. Talk to you later, my man. See ya. Every time. See ya. See ya. And 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 then he would just before I could even say anything, he would just he would just hang up. People are weird with the phone. I mean, I'm just thinking now. My last uh, you know, a few a few jobs ago, I had a boss, and he would you know. He would just send me an email, and the entire body of the email would be in the subject line of the email. Like, he couldn't be bothered to put the body of the email in the body of the email, so he would just write the whole thing. One long sentence in the subject line of the email. Uh, so that was cool. And then, you know, a lot of times the subject line would just say, call me. I'm like, oh, God. Or sometimes he would ping me, and he would say, I need you. <laughs> Not even joking. He would just say, I need you, because he didn't know shit about Excel, and I would have to help him. Um, but he would be on the phone and be like, okay, uh, you know, we're going to do the, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. this, Okay. And I'd be like, okay, sounds good. And he'd be like, okay, see you. Bye. And he would just hang up. Like there would be, he would finish everything he had to say and he'd be like, okay, so uh, if you could have that to me by Monday and then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll set the meeting for three o'clock and uh, we should be good to go. And I'd be like, okay, sounds good. And he'd be like, okay, see you. Bye. And he would just click. People are just so fucking weird. Uh, I mean, that's what, like, my youngest daughter would do. When I was, when I was out in Omaha, and I would have to, like, call home and, and, you know, talk to the family either on FaceTime or just talk on the phone, and my youngest daughter would get on the phone and she would tell me about her day, I did this in school, blah, 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 I did this at the Y, I did this, we had, we're doing this, we're having this for dinner, and I'd be like, okay, that's cool, and then I would ask a question and she would be like, she would just stop, like, she would stop, and I would be in mid-sentence, she'd be like, okay, Bye. And then hand the phone over to somebody else. But that, uh, you know, that she was, I think, about six years old at the time. So, like, a six-year-old, you can, you know, if you're going to give someone that I don't, I don't, I don't give benefit of the doubt, but if you're going to say, okay, well, your phone skills uh, leave something to be desired, but oh, yeah, you're six, and this is, like, maybe the third time in your entire life that you've ever talked on the phone. So, all right, you're, and you're done, and frankly, you're done saying what you want to say, so, 
Uh, but then, you know, being a 60-something-year-old man and be like, uh, let's see, so, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll at the meeting tomorrow, we'll go over this, I mean, the agenda is this, and if you could send me this uh, spreadsheet, uh, uh, okay, bye. And then just hangs up. What? All right, sounds good. I guess I will send my responses to what you just told me in an email, uh, since you just hung up on me. Um, yeah. See ya! Johnny, my man! Awesome. Great. You're going to have a grand day, Johnny, my man. Go out there, sell some knives. You are going to have an awesome day. See ya! Uh, hello? Hello? Oh, he's, he's gone. <laughs> and then one time, and I don't remember the, specific, the, the specifics of this. Oh, look at that. They just showed... Uh, the Harry Potter land at Universal. I'm watching the golf game. I've got uh, I've got some college basketball on one TV, and I've got the Arnold Palmer Classic uh, here on the on the Golf Channel. And they just showed an overhead view of uh, of Hogsmeade Village at Universal. It's a cool place to see in person. That butter beer is fucking delicious. Anyway, uh, Cutco. Yeah. So Adam once had me on the phone. And I think I, you know, I fucked up a sale. I didn't make a sale. You know, I was having, I had finally hit a slump. And this was towards the end. And he's, like, giving me this pep talk. And he's telling me, like, he's like, Johnny, do you have a chair nearby? And I'm like, what is he going to tell me to, like, <laughs> craft a noose? Find a, find a sturdy beam? <laughs> Knock the chair over? Because your sales suck, my man. You're going to want to just end it now, bro. You are not having a grand day, so you should probably just kill yourself. No, he told me to find a chair, and I'm like, yeah, there's, like, lots of chairs, you know, kitchen chair, dining room chair, whatever, you you know, desk chair. <clears throat> and he's like, I want you to stand up on that chair, and at the top of your lungs, I want you to yell, I am awesome. And I was like, oh, God. And, like, my parents are just, you know... <clears throat> my parents are just like in the other room <laughs> trying to watch the news or something like people are in the house and I'm like what what do you mean and he's like I want you to stand on the chair and I'm like well at least he can't see me so I'm obviously not going to stand on the chair but now how am I going to get out of this like yelling I am awesome like I'm going to look like a just you know I'd rather be I'd rather be bursting through a bathroom door at an elementary school with toilet paper wrapped around my legs uh, then have to have to go through this. Johnny, my man, you get up on that chair, you stand up tall, you take a deep breath, and you yell, "I am awesome." And I'm, and I was like, "What?" I'm like, "What? What do you want me?" To, and I was getting like, "I'm like, what do you want? What do you, what do you want, want me to yell after that? Show me the money." And he's like, "Yeah, my man, yell that too." And I'm like, "Oh God damn it!" And so I was just like, "I am awesome," and he's like, "Louder, my man." I'm like, "Oh fuck." I am awesome and he's like Johnny do you think you're awesome and I'm like not not particularly not, not with the decisions I've made in the last few weeks Johnny my man I want to hear it I want you to yell I'm awesome and I'm like I just told you I don't think I'm awesome Johnny you are awesome and I want you to yell at the top of your lungs and so finally I was like well this is just going to keep going and so I'm like I am awesome and he's like Darn right, my man. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fucking hell. And he's like, now show me the money. I'm like, oh, Christ, I was joking about that. And I'm like, show me the money. 
and then I think I think about the next day was when I decided like yeah this is this is it I'm done we're done here I'm not standing on a chair I'm not yelling stupid things I'm not uh, you know a single celled asshole who can just say I can't just like repeat a mantra and then believe it I can't just like through repetition just believe something sorry. I like to think that being given more than a handful of brain cells has allowed me to not just repeat something and then it's, you know, it's true in my mind. It's the same reason that you're never going to see me live living, laughing, and loving. I'm not going to live, laugh, love because just some fucking sign a bumper sticker tells me to. Just like you're going to tell me to jump on a chair. I am awesome, bro. My man. See you. You fucking jerk. Ah, oh, god damn it. There's part of me that thinks that, like, maybe maybe over the summer I should see if I can get a job trying to sell Cutco knives just to go. A kind of an over, undercover, a birthday boy exclusive. <laughs> I could probably get in a lot of trouble. I'll bet you. I wouldn't be surprised if they have those Cutco things and they tell you, like, leave your cell phones in this box. You will get them at the end of the session, brah. Because they don't want people recording, you know, what an idiotic sales pitch uh, bullshit, you know, magic show they do to try and get these suckers into selling cuckoo knives. Anyway. Johnny, my man. Vector. Oh, talk about no brain cells. Uh, but thanks for the stories, Adam, you fucking prick. All right. I need more water. Be back. Be right back. Be right back on the podcast. I, got, I think I gotta play this <clears throat> YouTube video. So I just can't get off this, this Cutco thing. This song is called Dead Weight by Paris. It's spelled P-V-R-I-S, but I guess it's pronounced Paris. I've been saying pervervous, pervervous, peevrous. It's good. They're from Lowell, Massachusetts. It's one of the bands that's going to be at uh, Boston Calling, which is, I mean, let's be honest, that's probably going to be canceled. (laughs) Fade out, please. I gotta play this YouTube clip about this kid's experience with Vector. It's so great. You type in Vector Marketing on YouTube and there's like a million... There's a million videos. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that, that was Paris with Dead Weight. Yeah. Local band, Lowell Mass, gonna be a Boston Calling. Uh, you would never get me to go to that. We had tickets a couple years ago because I wanted to see the Fleet Foxes. And we ended up going to see the Han Solo movie instead. I didn't even care. Um, and I think I last minute I put the tickets on StubHub or something. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, uh, no regrets on that one. They had some good bands two years ago. They had, like, The Killers and they had, yeah, Fleet Fox. They had a bunch of people. And this year's uh, good headliners. Um, and a lot of good, you know, some really, you know, Muse going to be there. That's my favorite band. They're going to be playing. You know, I, I don't. I've seen the Red Hot Chili Peppers, so I don't care to see them again. Even though it'd be, I'm sure, great. Uh, same with Foo Fighters. I'm not a huge Foo Fighters fan, but we saw them live. Was that last year? Two years ago. I think it was two years ago. It was two years ago <clears throat> at Fenway. Great show. 
great show, and I really, like, I could take them or leave them, the Foo Fighters. It was great. I, I have no desire to ever see them again, but it was great. Um, Rage Against Machine, that would be pretty damn cool to see those guys. Um, but, you know, I, I can, I can, I'm okay not seeing them live. Um, yeah, but uh, this Paris is one of those, one of the bands, so I'm, I'm sure it'll be fun if you can, if you can go there and not get uh, Zika or Corona, whatever the hell it is. I don't know, what happened to Zika? Is Zika still around? These viruses come and go. And, uh, but not the flu. That's here to stay. I'd be more concerned about the flu. Uh, so anyway, uh, okay, so this, this YouTube video I want to play. And this, this fella here is talking about it. This is from two years ago. This dude talking about his vector marketing experience. I just thought, I think you're going to hear some similarities to, uh, to my tale, even though it's almost a 20 year difference between my experience and his. Let's take a listen. I said, cool. Tell them to hit me up. They called me. They say, listen, we're going to bring you in for an interview. The position is $17 an hour. $17 an hour. <laughs> Ain't no way in hell I'm turning that down. Period. If my life depended on it, I'm you and me both, my man. Turning it down. $17 an hour. I knew grown people that wasn't making that much. So I'm geeked. I'm thirsty. <laughs> it's all the way in Tinley Park, man. Mind you, the interview is in Tinley Park. We living on 87th Street. My pops driving to get me. He living way on 107, driving to get me. Then going out to Tinley Park. He burning gas like it ain't nothing. But I feel like it's worth it. My dad like, okay, Malcolm, it's probably a good opportunity if you get a job. Yeah, you're gonna waste a lot of money in gas. Man, they got us in a group interview <clears throat> format. Now I should have known. Some was a little sketchy off that. But I'm I'm 18. I ain't been on interviews like that, so I don't really know how it go. I'm like, maybe interviews go like this. So they telling us the people that stand out the most, I, I, answering these questions, the people that are, uh, like, the people who are more yeah. open, open-minded. open The group interview. That's what I remember. The the interview was, it was like 20 of us in a room, a dozen, 20, I don't know, a whole bunch of people listening to, basically listening to Adam, the sales manager, do the Cutco demonstration. Like, Showing off the knives. Afterwards, they split us into smaller groups. So we get into the next group. They, they get, I'm getting to a smaller group in another room. And they yeah. tell me, uh, and uh, everybody else in that room, you all have been hired. We saw uh, qualities in you, leadership qualities that will help the company progress forward. So I'm like, yes. I feel like when they split those groups into two, I think they bring the first group in and say, you know, hey, you guys got the job. You know, and for me, it was one-on-one, and you got the job. Then I think they go to the second group, and they say, you have got the job. I don't think anybody's not getting this job. Ain't no way in hell somebody buying or 200 300 I don't care who it is. Hold on, let me go back. come out the next day for orientation. Yeah. I come out to orientation the next day, and it's a group of us all in there. He's talking to us. First of all, I wasn't thinking straight, because he's telling us the knives cost $200, $300. Ain't no way in hell. Yeah, you have to buy the fucking knives. You have to buy your own demo kit. They know I'm a nice kid. My mama friends at work ain't buying them knives. My grandmama people from church not buying no $200, $300 knives. Why? Because black people use the same knife set they didn't have for years. We ain't buying no new knives unless we got to. Ain't There's no use for that. In there... <laughs> He's trying to convince us how good the knives is, trying to make us increase our sales pitch to them. Um, the handle on the knives are made from the same wood used in a Porsche. What? For us, I feel like it was a, a some kind of airplane. Shenanigans. It is wood. 
but he's trying to tell us it's something different. On the they steel rivets. Like, I mean, he really laying it on thick. He's trying to get us to really be the perfect salesman for this. Yeah, and I remember for ours, he's, you know, the, 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 river, the nickel alloy cadmium whatever the hell the fucking fancy thing was for the for just the little rivets that, that hold the knife together in the handle and it was like oh my god johnny my man these are the same rivets that they use <laughs> in the discovery space shuttle <laughs> like what well the steak knives that they bring on board the space shuttle <laughs> But yeah, it's all this bullshit. The wood is like some kind of ivory from the rarest, uh, you know, taken from like an ivory horn from a unicorn or something. And yeah, he's going through the whole thing. I'm, I'm going to say it again. They're really good knives. Not to sound like a Cutco salesman, but they're, they actually are very good knives. But yeah, two or $300, that's on the low end. That's just for like, that's for a small set. I'm telling you. The set of knives that my that's like the top where you get everything. You get every knife in the collection: the scissors, the holder, the wood block, uh, you know, the sharpening tool, whatever they have. That's um, yeah, that was in 1999. That was like twelve hundred dollars or something like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering, but I'm pretty sure it was it was somewhere in there. Okay. Anyway, what else do you have to say there, my friend? My man. Answers a great. She asks a, a great question. She says, "But what if we can't make? What happens if we can't make a sale?" Uh -oh. The dude, I remember this verbatim. Everybody in there was brainwashed to say to say the same answers. He said, "No, no, we don't talk like that. We don't <laughs> talk like that. That's negative. That's negativity. We don't say things like that. You're gonna make a sale. We don't encourage negativity in this environment. We don't say things like, what if I don't make a sale? Because you will. You will make a sale.' I say, yo, what in the world? She just asked you a question, dog. What would happen if we can't make a sale? And you trying to like deflect it and trying to say it's negative. It's negativity. It's negative. Yeah, you... Michael Jackson. It's negative. It's oh my god. <laughs> Ignorant. It's negative. You can sell cutco knives." Yeah, but that's exactly what would happen. You can't anything, you know, I can't do this. What if I what if I can't make the sale? Johnny my man. And that's that's how you end up honestly, that's how you end up standing on a chair yelling I am awesome at the top of your lungs. Because it's, you know, it's a fucking cult. It's a fucking, you know, it's just like anything. Any large group trying to trying to get people to do things that are kind of like shitty and not fun and nobody wants to do with this fake promise of, like, you're going to make a ton of money, you know, after you buy this demo kit that costs a couple hundred dollars. Uh, listen, I made, I, I think I calculated, I sold about $6,000 worth of knives, and I think that resulted in, you know, maybe 10% of that was mine. So I made $600. Then, of course, I had, you know, the amount of gas driving all over the place to get to these demonstrations and then go back to the fucking sales office every morning and every evening for the stupid nonsense. And then on top of that, you factor in, I think I said 150, it was maybe $200. I don't know. It's at least a couple hundred dollars to get the demonstration set. They don't give it to you. You have to, you have to, that's part of selling Cutco knives is you have to buy Cutco knives. Every single person who goes into there to sell a Cutco knife, Cutco knives has to buy like a small set that comes with a scissor and comes with, you know, a couple, like one of each knife, basically, uh, like the French chef, chef's knife 
and the paring knife and this, one of the steak knives and a scissor and uh, and also the rope and the leather that's included too and then like a little plastic holder to put them in um, yeah and that was that was at least uh, 150 175 200 dollars something like that so so I basically made I made I pocketed 400 dollars well not even because I haven't even factored the gas, which was, you know, at the time gas was like 89 cents a gallon. So there couldn't have been really a better time to be selling knives from a uh, gas perspective. But, um, <laughs> and let's be honest, I was 19. I'm sure I had my, uh, I'm sure I had my Sitco gas card. <laughs> that <laughs> When the bill came, I was not paying that off. So let's be honest. I, uh, that was a pretty good deal. Um, but nevertheless, it still was costing, you know. Those cost cost some money. I did it for uh, I don't know. I can't remember if it was two weeks or a month. It wasn't more than a month. It wasn't less than two weeks. So two or three weeks, let's just say. And I made <laughs> I made six hundred dollars minus the two hundred that I spent to buy the knife set for the demonstrations. So even before factoring in gas, which is you know another probably another hundred dollars, maybe I don't know. Well. And anyways, let's not even let's not even factor in the gas and say I made four hundred dollars in what three weeks to a month. So basically, a hundred dollars a week is what I ended up making. What a fucking waste. Okay. Anyway, I say yo, uh uh, this is not for your boy. I don't know. Like this is just it's do not seem right. It's seeming weird. Even the people they they brought in, it was like they had young people in there that was like I made such and such amount of money. Off of the uh, off of the knives this past summer, it all seemed rehearsed. <laughs> I'm like, man, what is this fluky organization? Like, mind you, I'm in at the second day. I don't see my boy Matthew nowhere in sight, and I'm like, oh, first of all, we gotta go door to door selling knives. I ain't selling no knives in my neighborhood, period, or even in the rich fancy neighborhood, because that's I watch too much TV. People get kidnapped on all these shows and snatched in the crib. That's a perfect example for a sex slave caught in the house type of story. I'm not one of them. It's not. I'm not. It's not happening. I will admit, I never once uh, the thought never once crossed my mind that I, that like one of the one of the downsides of selling cutco knives is that I would be sold into the sex slave ring somewhere. That's never been a concern of mine. It's a concern of mine now as I get older and a little more cautious of things, but. Wasn't it wasn't when I was nineteen years old. And good for him for being aware. To your boy, period. So I go and I tell my dad, my dad like, man, hell no. That sounds like some some bull, you know what? I'm like, man, yeah, I ain't going to that. After the first session ended, I was out of there. I go to the crib, I call my boy Matthew. I said, Matthew, why you ain't show up? He Oh man, my pops looked at that looked up that organization. Man, that that organization like a scam or something, man. <laughs> I said, Bro, you ain't tell me. He, oh, man, I forgot. <laughs> Boy, oh, my God, I'm going to kill you. You didn't waste have me waste this gas, and you ain't going to tell me what's going on. I look up the organization. Man, I done seen stories of folks telling people that they didn't, the, the people at the uh, the company told them they got to pay $200 up front, a down payment mm -hmm. or deposit on it, mm -hmm. and then they can make it back. I'm like, what? What? Yep. what? Oh, heck you know. You buy those they knives. For your boy. But they really tried to get me because all of the young kids that was fresh out of high school, going to college, they had all of us in there. And I'm geek for that seventeen dollars yeah, out. You bet when your dude ass. When was talking that like Michael Jackson whispering, it's negative. It's negative. Don't talk negative. When she asked <laughs> what would happen if we make if we don't make a sale, I was like, oh yeah, this sounds like some brainwash stuff. Everybody in there saying the same saying the same thing. Yep. I'm like it seems so weird. Like 
Nobody was giving straight for yes or no answers. Everybody was answering around the question. That's so true. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. And I think that was, I think it's probably asking every group, like, cause you, okay, well, what's the 17? Well, for him, it's 17 an hour. For me, it was, I don't know, 14, 1475 an hour or whatever they tell you back in 1999. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, it's it's like recent high school grads, like kids who are, you know, summer vacation from college, that kind of thing. They don't know what they don't know anything. They don't know what's going on, and uh, yeah. So you ask like, okay, what's what's uh, so Adam? What uh, what are we supposed to do like if we don't make the sale? And he and, and Adam did actually say, and this is where the like the fourteen dollars. Like uh, you're gonna get you know for however many knives you sell, you know it's gonna be the greater of the two. So if you don't sell enough, then somehow you get paid like eight dollars for you know if you have five demos and you don't sell any knives on any of them, you'll they'll give you like eight dollars per demo or something like that. But if you do sell the knives, uh, you know you're gonna average out to like fifteen dollars, and each demo is like an hour long. It was, it's this whole you know it's fuzzy math. It's uh, you know, if I can make a topical uh, reference from 20 years ago, it's it's fuzzy math. Huh? Um, yeah, it's but it's yeah, it's bullshit. It's a, it is a scam. Like the whole the whole you know the way that the whole operation is set up is a scam. The knives themselves, I mean, that's you know they're good knives. Um, the whole vector bullshit thing is, yeah, it's a complete fucking shit show. It's a complete scam. So I'm like. Like, no, like, no, this is not for me. What? I'm not finna have these knives, and I can't make a sale. Y'all trying to coerce me out some money or have me come out of my pocket for some stuff? Ain't nobody selling no knives in the hood like this, period. But it's just so funny because I remember being, like, at this little orientation <laughs> and thinking to myself, man, this some old boy. You know what? Like, I couldn't do it. It just was funny when the girl said she brought it up. But... Anybody that ever been in a vector knife, a vector marketing, a cutco knives orientation, tell me y'all story, cause I gotta tell y'all, man. Matthew, I'm still mad at Matthew that, to this day for that, cause he never even responded. He never told me what his father found out. He's just gonna let me go the next day if talking. He forgot. Dog, you sign me up, bro. How you gonna forget about me, your boy? But I right, now that's funny. Peace. Now that's funny. Yeah, and that's just one of the many. Yeah, you can go on YouTube. I should find some more prior to next week's podcast, but yeah, Cutco man, what a fucking disaster! What a disaster! Um, all right, I think I'm gonna take uh, a quick water break for myself. I want to wrap things up soon because it's already you know we set the clocks ahead. It's three thirty already, and you know, come on, it's. I think once the uh, skiing, ski club stuff is done in a few weeks, uh, you know back to uh, hopefully do a Friday night podcast because I hate doing this on Sunday afternoon. I hate doing it on Saturday afternoon too. But uh, you know, there's no other time in the week. But once once my Fridays open up, uh, maybe that's when I'll do the podcast. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Let's take a break. We'll be back on the Barry Day Boy podcast. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I have a lot to talk about still, but I'm not going to get to it all this week because I really want to wrap things up at some point today before sunset. 
which I realize is now going to be like 7 o'clock, so that's cool. Man, oh man. This is called I'll Be the Death of You by I Break Horses. Sucks for those horses. Hmm. I like it though. It's good. Alright. You know, I do have some sounding board stuff, I think, to talk about. I don't know that I would call it sounding board theater, per se. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, what is this? International? Is it International Women's Day? Or is it just called Women's Day? Well, I guess that's like... Is that like a fancy term for broad? Huh? Huh? Come on. Uh, the 3 o'clock show's different from the 7 o'clock show. Tip your waiter and dry the veil. All right. Uh, where's my uh, saved articles here? Let's take a look at Sounding Board Theater. There was one that really... <clears throat> Here's one that really made me laugh. And there's really there's just one comment. But I thought this was so goddamn funny. Somebody, April Peters Murphy... Uh, on Thursday, on the Nashua Civic Sounding Boards, asked this just amazing question. Best place in the area to buy tungsten darts? Which is a very specific request. To buy tungsten darts. Which, I don't even know what the hell tungsten darts are. I, I had to look it up the other day. Let me see. There, I think that's, it's just the uh, darts. Like regular darts that you see at a bar on a dartboard. Tongue... Stun darts are just tungsten is used in darts production because of the high weight to volume ratio. The higher percentage of tungsten, the slimmer the dart will be. So I guess you know tungsten is a dense, heavy metal that allows the dart to be manufactured thinner, but still remain the all right. So it's, you know it's a metal dart. So that's the kind of metal. So it's a specific. Tungsten darts. You know, you, you get all kinds of questions, don't you, on the sounding board. There's only, uh, there's two responses. One's like Al's Dart Outlet, which I guess it's a it's a link to a dart outlet. So I guess that's a real place. Okay, there you go. You got a, dar a dart outlet. Uh, and then another response from Ben Fisher, which this is the only other response <laughs> on there. And the answer to the question, best place in the area to buy tungsten darts Ben Fisher writes, The Tungsten Dart Emporium in Bedford. Despite the name, their selection is lacking, but they make up for it with competitive prices and mediocre customer service. If this isn't your speed, Tungsten Darts and More in downtown West Lebanon has a greater selection, but it smells like wet dog. I guess it's a real Sophie's choice when it comes to all your Tungsten Dart needs. Hope this helps. That honestly sounds like an answer that I would have crafted if I, if I had seen it, but oh my god, that's funny. Um, sounding board. So I, I thought that was good. Uh, why did I select this one? Oh, somebody asked on Friday, best restaurant, not fast food for a group of young parents with children between the ages of two to 15, approximately 25 total. Thank you in advance. And the first response, as you can imagine, is McDonald's. <laughs> best restaurant, not fast food, please. McDonald's. 
Epic. Uh, let's see. Somebody asked. This was interesting. This is not so much like comic, but like somebody's got somebody's got a ghost problem. They got ghosts. Would anyone know where I would find information about deaths inside of my home and how I would go about finding maps of my old house? I'm so desperate as hell to get just to find someone who can help guide me in the right path. And then Jamie, and that was Lisa Vanderveer asking that. Jamie Doris responds, have you been having problems with a ghost slash entity? Lisa, Lisa, I guess it's Lisa, Lisa Vanderveer responds, there have been very strange things since we moved in and actually reached out to the previous owner. Hold on, hold on. We need some music or something. Okay. Hit that spooky music. Uh, yes, so. Have you been having problems with a ghost slash entity? <clears throat> welcome, by the way, welcome to the Ghost Stories edition of the Birthday Boy Podcast. I'm Tony Bruschi. Sorry. I'm, I think Kimmy might be the only one who gets that joke, which is fine. Because we sometimes listen to a Ghost Stories podcast. And the guy sounds like this while he's telling ghost stories. But mostly he's just dicking around with his friends. The production value is quite excellent, and clearly he has a background in radio. But the content kind of sucks. This is the Ghost Stories podcast. And he has a weird lisp, too. All right. Anyways, let's, uh, let's quiet you. Oh, man. So, Jamie Doris asks on the sounding board, Have you been having problems with a ghost slash entity? There have been very strange things since we moved in and actually reached out to the previous owner to ask if things happened to them. And he had so many stories that validated the things we were going through. Jamie responds, a friend of mine in whom, in whom I'd trust any paranormal experiences is someone who could assess what is happening. Uh, and then somebody, uh, Lissa, responds that I read that the Crown Hill area of Nashua was, was burnt and my house was supposedly affected. So I would like to see the earliest pictures of my house. And indeed there was a fire in 1930. Hmm. Uh, somebody has a gif of a Scooby-Doo ghost. Uh, there's a psychic fair at the Hunt Building on Sunday. Maybe you can talk to someone there if your house is haunted. Lissa responds, The previous owner had a medium come in, but I personally have not. I may just reach out. Do you have any experience going to those fairs? Yeah, I, I can tell you. I've never been to those fairs, but it's a bunch of fucking phony baloney frauds. Anyway... Uh, and then somebody mentioned their house in that area, living in the Green Ranch in the Crown Hill area, Stevens Street in Lawndale Avenue. I have seen a ghost in my house and was told that it was an elderly lady who passed away in the house. I've lived there for 15 years. Uh, so Dave Bushy asks, "Is that the house that we had that huge party at back in the best, back in the best old days?" Then yeah, that's the one I died at. Uh, is this the house on New Street, the one that is haunted but a friendly ghost? 
Lissa says, My house was built on King Street, and I have gone to the Registry of Deeds, gotten everyone who has owned it. She writes, We have had so many crazy things that happen here, and we have heard a little girl's voice near the laundry room. Well, yesterday I found bones in my basement in a really weird crawl space. Previous owner states his son used to play with a little girl, though it was maybe an imaginary friend. Said her name was Susa, and she lived in the house. So I am hoping that I can find a spot to test them and find out if there were possible there's a possible death with her name in the house. Very weird. Adam Wolf writes, Bones may be anything, so hoping for the best. I was helping a friend's family dig out a basement in French Hill, and we dug up a horse skeleton down there. Jesus Christ. Alyssa follows up and says, I've heard little girl voices. I've heard shuffling of boxes when we first moved in the kitchen area. Well, did you have some movers? Because I... You know, I'm not Peter Venkman, but I could uh, I could probably pinpoint the source of that box shuffling noise. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> so Adam Wolf says, time to move. Alyssa says, if they start to scare me, then I'll be looking to move. I'll be having nightmares tonight for sure, writes Alex Homola. Tara Michaud writes, my old condo had a ghost. She was very friendly. No one believed me until one day my husband heard her call his name. And then she tags Craig Michaud and says, Remember that day? She continues, A few years later, a family moved into the unit next to us. Their son started talking about a lady in a black dress in his room. I almost died. That was her. I saw her a few times. This little boy described her exactly as I remembered seeing her. His parents were freaked out and they had her exercised out. I was so sad because she was so nice. She wore a black dress like an old school mom would wear. I have since moved, but I hope she found a new place to live. She was so kind. What the fuck are you to? I mean, isn't that a crazy ghost story? So many ghost stories here in the ghost stories portion of the Birthday Boy podcast. Lisa Vanderveer responds, There are so many stories that the previous owner has shared with me. Similar things happen at our home, too. The closest thing I have seen was two little shadows by my stairs. I ran to the stairway because my kids were actually punished and thought maybe they were sneaking out of their room. I turned to look up at the stairs, but there was no one there at all. I mean, it's possible that you saw your kids' shadows and then they ran away, and then you got to the stairs and they were back in their rooms, you fucking idiot. I I mean, that definitely sounds like a ghost story. Uh, I I turned to look up the stairs. There was no one there at all. What freaked me out... Uh, was the other day when I found the hidden bottles behind a nailed-up cloth. I saw this weird circle thing that went from the middle of the crawl space to the cement wall and then directly in my face. I said a few choice swears as I thought I might poop myself, and I bolted. It grew in size and was super bright. I started thinking maybe it was dust, but I took a stick and scraped the dirt and could see the complete difference between the two. Freaked me out. And then she has a picture with a white splotch in the middle of it. Like, okay. That's, uh, could, you know, you ever take a picture and you get a fucking white splotch in it? It's probably one of those just picture splotches, you dumb fucking... <clears throat> I mean, that sounds like a close encounter of the paranormal kind here on Ghost Stories. Uh, Betsy Hood 
It says, years ago, a ghost hunter presented at my Rotary Club. Her name is Becca Boyd. She has a Facebook page and has published a bunch of books. She's still in the area if you want to reach out to her. Wow, what a racket, man. I'm a racket, man. I should get into that. I mean, just tricking suckers into thinking there's fucking ghosts. They do not exist. <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> I mean, ghosts are all around us everywhere at all times. Tara Michaud says, The lady I saw stood at the top of the stairs and smiled. I thought my boyfriend who was downstairs yelled my name, so I yelled back, and he did not say anything. I now believe it was her. Uh, the lady at the top of the stairs sounded like your boyfriend? What the fuck kind of boyfriend? Uh, Tara, it's me! Uh, boyfriend, is that you? Oh, it's the ghost lady. You sound crazy. <clears throat> I mean... I mean, that's definitely a believable ghost story, if ever I heard one. Tara then says, uh, whenever my now when my now husband Craig met her, this ghost lady, uh, we were babysitting two dogs, so we had three dogs, ours included. A woman yelled his name from the bottom of the stairs. The dogs definitely heard it. We heard it, but there was no one there. No tracks in the new snow we had overnight. It was that day. He became a believer. I say it was that day he became a fucking sucker just like you. <clears throat> I mean, that sounds legit to me because ghost stories, just like the ghosts themselves, are quite real. <gasps> oh, oh, shit. Sounds like a ghost has just escaped from my bodily vessel. What a spooky occurrence here on the Ghost Stories podcast. Birthday boy edition. <laughs> By the way, here's what this real guy sounds like. And the grave talks. It's a special interview with Jeff Belanger about creepy Christmas time. In our lifetimes, Christmas. <laughs> creepy Christmas time. Here on Birthday Ghost Stories podcast. Anyway. So there it is. There's Sounding Board Theater mixed in with a little bit of a little bit of bullshit, quite frankly. <laughs> I mean, uh, with a little bit of legitimate creepy ghost stories that are definitely real. Oh, whoa! Oh, we're really rocking and rolling here. This is definitely not the typical tune you're gonna hear on the birthday boy podcast but what the fuck mix it up a little right 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 come on this is uh silverstein with madness whoa yeah this is the kind of music you listen to when you're driving around selling cutco knives robbing a kmart <laughs> uh okay I, I think I covered everything on the sounding board theater. Yeah, I'm sure I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I want to play you a clip from Twitter. I'm just bouncing all over the place. This, this is like maybe an eight-second clip, but it had me fucking dying. Uh, let's see. This was a news anchor. 
let me pull this up for you here. It's so goddamn funny. <clears throat> uh, so this is from Rex Chapman, who sometimes has like a lot of garbage, but sometimes has really, really funny stuff. Uh, and <laughs> Rex Chapman says, Most TV anchors will pause between the greeting and the top story, but not this guy. Good evening, I'm Ken Bastida. Dana is off tonight. He was murdered and then set on fire while celebrating his birthday. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so important to pause. That's why commas, periods, punctuation, both written and verbal, are so important. <laughs> hold on, hold on, one more. Good evening, I'm Ken Bastida. Dana is off tonight. He was murdered and then set on fire while celebrating his birthday. <laughs> uh, I wonder, uh, I'd just like to give an update, ladies and gentlemen. Dana has the night off. Uh, he was, however, not murdered and set on fire at his birthday party. That was a completely unrelated story. I just forgot to take a breath in between the two sentences. Oh my god, that is so fucking good, that's so funny. It still makes me laugh, every time, every damn time. Okay, yeah, Rex Chapman, I, generally speaking, is pretty good. I really like, I like a lot of his uh, his stuff, and he posts some really nice content on there too, like, uh, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'd say uplifting, but you know, it's just nice stuff. Oh man. <laughs> that's not as good an audio uh this was somebody uh in a in a lane driving next to a car and the guy's recording and this guy next to him is calling him a fucking fucking motherfucker uh and he's looking out the window yelling at the guy right before he just pancakes the car in front of him uh that's funny man holy shit that's hold on <laughs> oh boy so good so very very good oh man Dana has the night off set on fire and murdered at his birthday party <laughs> ah. oh, that's too good anyway um, yeah wow so I wanted to tell you one last <clears throat> one last thing you know, we're talking about that Corona bullshit. We went to, uh, the family and I went to the top of the hub in Boston this past week. Um, not easy to get a reservation these days because top of the hub, it's, it's on the very top floor of the Prudential Center in Boston. So it's, you know, it's got a great 360 view of the skyline and, you know, just everything. And it was a perfect clear night. We got really lucky on that. It was really nice. Got there right at sunset. And, uh, yeah, this we went on a Wednesday because there were no other times available to make a reservation because the place is closing down uh, April 18th after, like, 55 years. It's They're shutting it down. The, there's new owners of the building. They're shutting the whole thing down. They're shutting down the observatory, the Skywalk observatory that's on the, the floor beneath that. Um, and they're going to redo it into some whole big, uh, big thing. I, I hope there's still a restaurant up there because... Let me tell you, this was a really, really nice experience. Not one I would do very often, uh, just 
based on the price alone. But yeah, it was fucking, it was nice. It was a great view. We had a great table. Um, our waiter was a real weirdo. And I couldn't, I, I asked him like two different times to tell me his name. He came up and introduced himself and he said, my name is Robert. But he said like, but then there were other things coming out of his mouth after he said Robert. So I didn't know if it was like Robert, if there was like some other part of the name that I was missing. He's like, my name's, uh, good evening, I'm Robert. I'll be your server this evening. And then he came back with the drinks and I'm like, uh, excuse me, can you, what was the name again? He's like, oh yes, it's uh, Robert. And I'm like, what? what? And he left and I looked at, I looked at Kim and I'm like, what? What did he say? It said like Robert, but there was other stuff that he said after that. Like, is it? Did he say like I'm Robert Junior? Am I supposed to call like? Excuse me, Robert Junior. Uh, freshen my drink, please, my good man. Uh, yes, Robert Junior. Uh, what's the ETA on my steak? So I didn't know. So I didn't. I just didn't call. You know, I like to. You know, a waiter, a waitress. I like to call them by their first name when they come over and they introduce themselves. I like to call them by their name. So when they come back, you know, it's like, you know, treat them like, I don't know, a human being, because they are. Like, oh, uh, yeah, excuse me, uh, Susie, can I get another drink, please? Can I, yeah, Susie, well, I'm, uh, take the check now, please, you know. Uh, instead of like, um, miss, uh, sir, excuse me, garçon, garçon. Uh, so I tried to get his name, and I just assumed it was Robert Jr., so I, I didn't call him by his name the rest of the time, and he was really weird. He was, like, super jittery. It was making me really stressed out because uh, I'm like, what is this guy doing? Like, is he, is there something like he's, he's got someplace to go? And he wasn't like, he never rushed us. It was just the way that he talked every time. He, he was kind of talking like this. So you ready to order? Okay, great, great. And it wasn't like, he wasn't saying it to like rush us. He was like perfectly, you know, calm and like just kind of standing there. But when he would just talk, it was just like, what the fuck? And, uh, you know, maybe... Look, if if I'm working in a restaurant that's about to close in a month, you know, I'm probably not super laid back if I'm thinking like, oh, shit, I'm not, you know, he's kind of, he, he's no spring chicken either. Um, so he's probably thinking like, fuck, you know, I got, I got, you know, six more weeks of this and then, then what the hell am I going to do? Uh, so maybe like getting me a steak is not really at the top of his list of priorities, although, uh, you know, the catch 22 is like, well, what else is he going to do? Because he needs a job now, but he also needs a job later, and he probably doesn't have time to go out trying to find another job. And I don't know. So it was very strange. But the food was awesome. Uh, I had some lobster ravioli. We had some calamari. We had a, a nice cheese platter with cheeses and honey and, uh, you know, crostini. Um uh, yeah, Kim had some salmon that was really good. And of course, here's the other thing. The guy comes over and he, you know, obviously we have two children, eight and 10 year old. And, uh, he says, uh, you know, kind of whispers to us, like, we don't really have a kid's menu per se. He's like, but I'm sure I could rustle up some burgers or if they wanted like, you know, pasta, buttered pasta, something, something like that, you know, things that kids like. And I said, ah, that's great. That's great. Robert Jr. That's great. So then I turned to the kids. I'm like, uh, so you hear that? Kids, listen, you can get butter pasta. You can get a cheeseburger or a hamburger. And they both just shook their heads. And I'm like, what's, what do you mean? And then my youngest just looked at me and she goes, steak. I'm like, well, yeah, but I mean, really a burger, you know, it's a, uh, it's a smaller amount and you know, you're not going to eat a full steak steak. Okay, sweetie, but listen, he can bring you a, a burger. You like to get a hamburger, and maybe they can put some, you know, some French fries or some steak. 
All right, so uh, so maybe maybe some butter pasta. You love to eat butter pasta at home. Mommy makes a steak. Okay, uh, Robert Jr., yes, the children will have the most expensive thing on the menu, and the wife and I will be having the least expensive thing on the menu. Uh, they're going to have some steak. They're going to have the, the $55 sirloin, which, of course, we got one for the two of them to split, and then, of course... Uh, as we knew it would happen, the, the adults ended up eating the steak anyways. Um, but Jesus, I just, I wanted something, I wanted some lobster. And I'm glad I got that lobster ravioli because it was goddamn delicious. Kim's salmon was delicious. Anyways, it was really good. Um, yeah, and the view was fantastic. My oldest was just like, she sat down, you know, the nice view, looking out over the entire city of Boston watching the sun go down over the buildings, you know, sunlight <clears throat> go down over the buildings, having a nice cocktail, a nice Shirley Temple, and a nice steak and some nice appetizers and some hot bread. She just uh, she just looked at us and she said, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a really good place right now. Just want to let you know I'm really happy right now. This is, she's like, this is my kind of place. This is really, this is really my kind of scene. This is this is a place that I you know I, I really belong in a place like this. <laughs> Go well. Oh, I looked at uh, looked at the wife and said, actually, it uh, turns out I'm actually very glad this place is closing in a month because I uh, I wouldn't want to have to uh, I wouldn't have to come up with a different excuse every time we're asked to go up to the top of the hub. So, oh man. They do like the finer things in life. These children of mine. <laughs> that's not that's not quite. Uh, Kimmy and I are not really not to say that we're slobs, but we you know we like things to be pretty simple, you know, comfortable, simple, you know, nothing too extravagant, nothing too fancy. Um, a nice fancy dinner once in a while is great. Love it. Love to get dressed up once in a while and go out, but it's not, uh, you know, it's not the norm. And uh, these kids, just anytime they boy, they get a little taste of the good life, just a little taste, and it's like, oh man, they are. They are definitely related to their grandmother, great grandmother, and their aunt. <laughs> they like, they do like the finer things in life. <clears throat> and I said, "Listen, you can have the finer things in life, just you know, not from me. At least not every day." Uh, then, yeah. So Robert Jr. kept coming back. I kept not knowing exactly what to call him. And then, uh, yeah, so I don't know. It might be Robert Jr. Or it might be Robert. Uh, name's Robert. Uh, Robert Moore. So anyways, uh, yeah, so Robert Robert Jr., Robert something. Lovely, lovely fellow, but Jesus, just, you know, calm down, man. Just just cool your jets for a second. You know, you're, you're making me nervous. You're making me, I'm trying to enjoy a nice meal. You're making me nervous. Of course, the thing that really made me nervous and I'm glad it was at the end of the night, because then I would have just been thinking about this during my entire meal. It would have ruined the whole thing. In this uh, in this corona-crazed world we live in, of course, everybody, the CDC and everyone, uh, is w telling people to wash their hands, which, if you go to a Walgreens and see that there's no more hand sanitizer, antibacterial soap, uh, you realize, like, what the fuck? Why is everybody now buying this stuff? Has nobody been washing their hands this whole time? And the answer is yes, nobody really washes their hands. I feverishly wash my hands. I, I regularly not only wash my hands and, you know, put the Purell and all that stuff on them, but I also, you know, I have wipes. I have special disinfectant wipes for my phone. 
you know, a phone is like the most disgusting thing on you. And I wipe the screen, I wipe the back, the side, I, you know, I make sure because it, it looks gross and it is gross. And I can only imagine the germs if somebody ran that thing through a lab if I wasn't taking, you know, wipes and cleaning this thing off. So, of course, uh, you realize, like, like, nobody's doing that. The people that are, you know, this run on antibacterial and soap and all this stuff, it's the people who are washing their hands anyways, and they're terrified that, like, the non-hand washers are going to catch on to this whole notion of, like, cleanliness, and they're going to go to Walgreens, and they're going to buy out all the uh, all the soap. So, what you know, the people who regularly wash their hands, I think those, those are the ones who are buying, you know, fucking OJ. By the way, OJ, I'm sure, never washes his hands, except for that one time uh, back in June of 1994. I'm sure he feverishly scrubbed his hands. Other than that, I can't, I can't picture him as a hand washer. Um, and so naturally he had bottles of water and toilet, extra wide, extra thick, cottonelle, whatever the fuck it was, toilet paper and uh, paper towels, <clears throat> but there wasn't a single bottle of Purell or any kind of soap product in his, uh, in his pallet of junk that he was bringing back to the, uh, to the murder mansion, uh, excuse me, the OJ, uh, football mansion. Uh, anyway, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, so people are still just not, the people who weren't washing their hands, they're still not washing their hands. The people who were washing their hands have now purchased all of the soap and disinfectant, hand sanitizer, wipes, and bullshit. Um, and so when I when we left this, uh, and I know that because when I left the top of the hub, I'm expecting everybody's now washing their hands just thoroughly. You know, I admit that, uh, you know, I, I, anytime there's a big epidemic or a pandemic, I do the 30-second hand washing. Eh, maybe during regular times, it's only maybe 10 or 15 seconds. I'll be honest. It's 10 or 15 seconds of hand washing on a normal day. Now I'm back to the 20, 30 seconds of hand washing. I go into the restroom at the end of the night. We're done. We're about to leave. One last stop at the restroom, the top of the hub. And I finish up and I'm scrubbing my hands. I'm counting to 30. Guy shows up next to me, runs the water, does the little, dabs his little hands under the sink, grabs a paper towel and dries off and then gets, gets out of there. And I, before I realized what had happened, like he was gone. Uh, cause I, I, am pretty sure I, I'm going to start just calling people out in the bathroom and be like, are you fucking kidding me? Cause I've seen it so many times and there's so many times I want to say something, but usually it's like, it's at work. So you don't want to be like, ah, oh, I got to see this guy forever at work. And I'm the guy who yelled at him for not washing his hands. There's this old timer named Harold who used to just not even, he would walk right from the stall and just leave the bathroom. Because, uh, you know, old people don't wash their hands. They were brought up to not wash their hands, and they're not washing their hands, and now we're all fucked. So, and this guy was, you know, probably baby boomer age, and, uh, yeah, just little little spritz of water, and that's all you need, I guess. And out he went to eat his lobster with his bare hands, I'm sure. Oh, man. Yeah, so we left the top of the hub. Yeah, Robert Jr., his final, you know, he came back. You know, we spent a small fortune to eat this food. Robert Jr. came back and asked if we wanted to see a dessert menu. And I said, Robert Jr., uh, that won't be necessary, my good man, because I saw there's a Dunkin' Donuts downstairs. We're going to hop in the elevator, go down to the Prudential Center shopping mall area. And if uh, Dunky Dunks is still open, we're going to get some, we're going to have our dessert there for about $6.00. Instead of the $60 that I probably would have spent to get uh, the same thing or, or less up here. So in our fancy, I have my shirt and tie and a nice sweater vest, my slacks. Uh, the oldest daughter had a nice dress shirt and a tie on, untucked. She looked like a cool punk rocker or something. 
Um, the other kid was looking adorable. Nice dress shirt, you know, cute little patterns on it. The wife had a nice dress on, really got all dolled up. You know, we we did it up for the special occasion of just going to a restaurant on a Wednesday for no good reason, other than it's going to be closed in a month. Uh, so in our nice, uh, our Sunday best, we headed down on the elevator and went to Dunkin' Donuts, got some Boston cream, and uh, got the hell out of there. But yeah, I tell you, if you can get out, uh, if you're in the Boston area, get out to the top of the hub before April 18th. Yeah, it's worth it. I mean, you know, there's no other restaurant that offers that kind of view. And after April 18th, it's going to be two years before anything's even open up there. Uh, so, yeah, this is the last chance to to take advantage of it. Even if you're not in the Boston area, go to, you know, I don't know, come out and spend a day in Boston. Go to the top of the hub. Treat yourself. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good experience. It was fun. Even, you know, Robert Jr.'s silliness notwithstanding, it was, it was really delicious. Excellent meal. Good time. You know, fabulous view. Amazing view of the whole city. It's just great. It was awesome. Good night. Not a, not, not what you, not what you find us typically doing on a, any given Wednesday. So it was a, it was a nice break from the norm. Totally fun. Totally fun, dudes. All right. I'll be back. Back in the Birthday Boy Podcast. This is Leif Erickson with Question Time. Leif Erickson. Got the problems. I can't pronounce the simplest of things. Anyway. I'm looking at my stuff here. I think I'm pretty much... I think I've covered everything. I think I'm gonna save this for next week. I do have I do have a Fritz, but we're at two hours. Uh, it's enough. Uh, maybe next week. Actually, there might not be a podcast next week. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll see. It might be two weeks until I do another one. I haven't made up my mind, but we'll see. Uh, you know, I, w- I also wanted to talk about working for Excel Adcom, which was. Uh, selling I mentioned last week similar to Cutco but way worse um, because I'm just selling coupons door-to-door and it was literally just door-to-door you'd get in a sales team and somebody would drive out to the location on the map and you would just go door-to-door trying to sell coupon cards and I can tell you about that but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you about that next on episode 40 so we'll save that um, yeah so there's there's more to come, but uh, for right now I think I think I'm I think I'm done. I think I think that's it. It's four fifteen. Yeah, I want to get on with my day. I want to get on with my Sunday. Watch some college basketball. Watch some you know whatever. Maybe watch some golf. Watch some XFL football. NBA. Oh, the NBA games are on. All right. Yeah, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I want to watch Clippers Lakers. I think that's on now. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's I think that's gonna do it for this week. Uh, and, and this cold is just has to go away soon. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I can, I can feel it's almost there. I can feel it's clearing up, but it's still there. You know, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? So, you know, maybe if I can get two weeks and not do a podcast next week and come back in two weeks, we'll be, we'll be in pretty good shape. 
So, I don't know. There may be a podcast next week. There may not be. I haven't decided. We'll see. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be the end of the show here, <clears throat> man. Yeah. 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 All right. We're at two hours. So thanks for listening, gang. I, uh, as always encourage you to, uh, whatever, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes or Spotify, I still don't know. I still haven't received no word about the podcast being on iHeart or, or Stitcher. I have in fact submitted uh, a little over a week ago. It said it could take up to two weeks. By the way, I thought I'd just put a little tune on here. This is Yeah But No with Run Run Run. Just just because. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, iHeartRadio. It could t- I, I submitted last week. It could take up to two weeks for the podcast to show up. So uh, eh, let me take a look here. Let me just see if it's on there. Uh, I'm searching for the Birthday Boy podcast on, on iHeartRadio, and I don't think it's there yet. No. But hopefully it will be. Same with Stitcher, and I'll let you know. But for now, you know, iTunes, Google Podcasts, lots of those, like, podcast uh, hubs, those aggregate sites, I guess. Uh, Spotify, of course. Subscribe, follow, like. Give the the five-star review if you feel so inclined. That would be really nice. I would really, really appreciate that. Uh, What else? Email birthdayboypodcast at gmail.com. Send an email. Let me know what you th- you know. What are you liking? What are you not liking? What do you what are your th- what are your thoughts on the big uh, on the big show, on the big program here? Okay. Uh, otherwise, in the meantime, don't forget to live, laugh, love. <laughs> and uh, oh, you know something? I have to. I do want to say uh, before we go, my cousin Frank, super fan Frankie. <laughs> uh, he said. Dude, I sold Cutco too. My friends still make fun of me for it. Said it's a good product with a shitty sales strategy. My mom still has hers. She replaced a few. Cutco always honors the warranty. Your description of what happened exactly uh, matched mine exactly. Uh, And I said, yeah, that's so funny. Jesus Christ, what a nightmare that was. He said, for real, I sold enough to break even then I was done. I ran out of contacts after a while. Their solution, get out your high school yearbook and start cold calling people. Oh, can you imagine? I immediately thought I'd rather kill myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Frankie. I'm with you, dude. Jesus Christ. Uh, so my dad pushed me to keep at it until the point where he could tell I had enough. And then he was like, yeah, well, you tried. Uh, it was brutal, especially after all the hype meetings in the beginning and then a huge letdown. Yep, that's for sure, man. Uh, yeah. So you heard that, that YouTube clip? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my cousin Frank... Uh, anybody who's I, I think anybody who's done this shit has the same experience and it's not a good one uh, but goddamn it makes for good uh, good content here on the old podcast so maybe yeah maybe over the summer I'll, I'll see if I can get in on one of those uh, one of those orientation meetings and see if I can interview because that would be I mean what a what a great oh, I, I have to look into that see if I can interview for Cutco I just pretend I'm I wonder if I could pass for a recent high school grad <laughs> Uh, yes, hi. I'm a rapidly aging 18-year-old. I have a gland problem uh, and grayness, severe gray hairness runs in my family. Uh, but I definitely just, I definitely just graduated, bro. And I want to have a grand day. I want to, want to get out there and sell some knives, bro. Sounds awesome. Oh, that would be, that would be a fun little project over the summer to get out there and, and go to one of those interviews. 
pretend that I'm just passionate about knives and selling knives, and I want to get back into it. Oh, man. Okay. That's going to be it. That's going to do it. And, uh, oh, yeah, and I also want to thank, uh, I want to thank Nate. Uh, where are you, Nate? You're uh, somewhere here on this uh, on this text. Um, Nate said, great episode. Laughed a ton on last week's episode. And uh, said, thanks for the laughs, buddy. Cool, man. I love it. Thanks, Nate. I'm happy to provide the laughs. And I, uh, you know, hopefully there was one or two laughs on this episode. Who knows? And hopefully there'll be one or two more on the next episode, whether that's next week or the week after that. In any case, I'm done. I'm out. Good night now. <laughs> as, as Jim Rome would say, epic. Rack me. All right. Uh, remember, gang, positivity is for dickheads. Uh, the three pillars, that's all you need. Don't do anything ever. Don't ever leave the house. Don't ever help anyone. Never give anyone the benefit of the doubt. Reading is dumb, and don't ever change anything in your life, ever. Uh, and you'll be just fine. Uh, and yeah, and positivity is, you know, is for assholes. That might be the seventh pillar. I think the three pillars have just found their seventh pillar. Well, it's been there all along, right? Positivity is for jerks. Uh, but you know... You know, kindness, kindness matters. Yeah, yeah, it does, it does. All right, that's it. I've had enough. The sun's going down. Even though we set the stupid clocks ahead, it's, you know, it's already getting late in the day. I can't stand this. My whole Sunday. All right, got to go. Uh, talk to you next time. Enjoy, blah, 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 blah. Okay, later, gators. Good news, everybody. There's a very special Grandma Cliff call, and it's coming up right now. You're going to hear all about Grandma Cliff's trip to the farm. And now, here's Grandma Cliff calling Cliff Cliff. Yes, yes. Hello, Cliff. Cliffy. Hello, Cliff. This is your grandmother, Cliff. Cliffy, this is Grandma Cliff Cliff. Cliffy, it's your grandma, Cliff Cliff. Give me a call as soon as you can, please. I want to talk to you about my trip to the farm this week, Cliffy. That's right. Your grandfather took me to a real working farm. And we got to interact with all the farmers and all the different things. You know, they had like hay mazes and all kinds of sort of things like goats and chickens. You know, things that you like. You, you, you used to have chickens... You know, a whole chicken coop out in your yard, Cliff? You would love this farm. It's, uh, we, maybe we should come up with, like, a Womack Farms, Cliffy, and we could run a whole farm. And I'll tell you why, Cliff. I'll tell you why. Because not only did I get to feed the goats and the sheeps and the chickens and the cocks and all the other things, but I got to milk the cows, Cliff. I got to milk a real 
dairy cow, actually several of them, and the farmers told me that they've never seen anyone in their life who was so good at milking. They said I was the best milker they've ever seen. No one milks like your grandmother, Cliffy. No one milks like me, Cliff. They told me I was the very best milker that they ever did see with their very own eyes, Cliff, and I, I tend to believe that's true. Because I, I really, let me tell you, Cliffy, I, I really felt at home with my hand wrapped firmly around those udders and just pumping away, milking and milking, left and right, milking and milking all day long, all the live long day, Cliffy. I felt so good milking those cows. It just felt so natural that they said perhaps I should go into farming, even at my old age, Cliff. I still have very, very, very strong hands, perfect for wrapping around an udder and milking a cow. And they said they couldn't believe it. They asked if I had ever milked a cow before. They said, surely this is not your first time milking. And I said, well, in fact, it is the first time milking a cow because uh, I've never been to a farm like that, a dairy farm and milking cows. And I'll tell you something, Cliffy, it felt very good and I felt very happy that they told me I was so good at milking those cows with my firm, strong hands. Wrapped around those udders, pumping that milk, I must have pumped gallons and gallons of milk. And I, I've i got a special surprise for you, Cliff. I was going to wait until I saw you in person, but Christ knows when that's going to happen. Speaking of milking, maybe you get your hands out of your pants and quit toggling your balls for, for two seconds so you can call me back because I have a very special surprise. And since I never know when I'm going to get you on the phone, I might as well tell you, I might as well tell you about this surprise now, Cliffy, which is that I brought home, I brought you a very, your very own gallon of milk. And Cliffy, it's not just any milk. As you probably have guessed by now, it's the milk that I milked when I was milking those milk cows, Cliffy. You could say that it's your own grandmother's milk. And I want, to, I want to come over and I want to pour a glass, a tall glass of milk from the cows that I milked with my own bare hands, Cliffy. And I want you to taste the deliciousness of your grandmother's milk, okay? Cliffy, I'm going to come over with the milk that I milked from those milk cows. And I'll watch you drink the milk and watch the look on your face as you smile when you taste the deliciousness of this milk that I pumped myself with my own hands from those milk cows. Okay, Cliffy, I'm going to get ready. I'm going to bring you over a very special, your very own special gallon of milk. And that reminds me, Cliff, could you imagine if we had our own Womack family farm that we could work on? You you could be my very own butter boy. Get it, Cliffy? Because you are my butter boy, my little baby butter boy, special boy, little baby boy, butter boy. And you could work with me on the farm, and while I'm milking the cows, you could be churning butter because you're, you're my very own special little butter boy, Cliffy. Okay, Cliff, I'm going to come over with the milk, and my butter boy can drink the milk all day long and I'll watch you smile and enjoy it, Cliff. Okay, Cliffy, it's your grandma Cliff Cliff. See you soon with the milk. Bye.